recording on this very, very cold Wednesday evening. It's uh, it's not been treating the entire country very nicely, the weather has, but it has been particularly brutal in the Midwest. And here to talk about that and nothing else is my co-host PJ. What's up, man? Weather on the nines here on the Point Forward. We'll be updating you every nine minutes on how much colder it is in Chicago and Minneapolis. Yeah, we'll start now. Great. It's cold. And <laughs> it's really cold. Also, happy, happy, new, uh, year. happy new year. This is happy yeah. new year. We're so, back. Oh, you ended the last pod with some singing. You're starting this one with some singing. I hope that this is a sign of things to come. It's my New Year's resolution now. It's just yeah, just singing every every episode. Get a little tune. Maybe by the end I'll have an actual singing voice. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I had a cough I, there. I, was, I don't really think that that's the as way I it tap works. my great singing voice. I had a uh, hack along up, but you know, I so. PJ and I got to hang out this last weekend, and who's the guy that does those videos that you were obsessed with all weekend? The guy that does the videos that I was obsessed Never with. Never mind. Oh, the, uh, oh, those two. Uh, it's, I'll, I'll shout out the Twitter handle here. There's only two of them, but, geez, you put me on the spot here. I was going to ask you though? what your New Year's resolution is, Ultra. I'm looking it up. You put me on the spot. I don't know. I need to open up Twitter. I'm sorry. Well, you, he's got you, a weird. You gotta. You gotta get. He deserves a shout out. That's. That's something that people gotta know about because it's pretty good. But anyway, we we do. What's your talk New Year's about resolution? My New Year's resolution. Um, Everyone wants to know. The people are crying out for it. Do you have one? I don't really have one, man. I really don't. Wow. My New Year's resolution may be to try to only miss being the host on this pod once this year, and it's going to be tough because I think next week. Next week you may be hanging out with a guest host next week, but we'll see. It just means this pod's more of mine than yours. Just, I feel uh, like it's been that oh, way since the beginning, right? Where is it? Oh, always. Where is this thing now? Damn it. it! The Twitter handle is very tough, or it's like the name is different than the actual thing. So this is awkward. I'll I'll plug it in at some point so people can go watch it. All right, fair enough. I hate Let's looking like an idiot. Some- Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let's jump. Let's let's. I never look like towards something. Let's move towards something that you're maybe a little better versed in, and that's the NBA, man. So let's. Uh, Allegedly. Let's start out by with some quick hitters here. We're gonna shake up the format of what we usually do. Gonna cover just some some quick things. We've got a lot to cover since we haven't done a pod in two weeks. Weeks and a lot has happened between then and now. It's been a whole new year. The Christmas games and stuff, which we're not going to cover anything from the Christmas weekend too much because that's so far in the past. But it was last year. We can both agree that the KD hacking on LeBron, it it was pretty bad. I mean, everyone, if you're listening to this, 
uh, for the first time. Like we're a little biased towards LeBron, maybe, but just taking bias out of it, I then that game was a little frustrating just because it it felt like he was getting some shack treatment towards the end of that, and that you just really had to, unless you're tackling LeBron, you're just, a foul's not getting called on him. Yeah, it's it's kind of been a little trend with uh, the last few Cavs games here where there's been uh, a little bit more. They've been letting him play a little more physically. Even last night's game was a little more physical, and LeBron was getting kind of frustrated at points. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that Christmas game, yeah, they let some stuff go. There was that the end of game, the last two-minute report, so... There were a lot of questionable calls in there, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think Kevin Durant followed them <laughs> on that one turnover yeah. in particular. Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's talk about the Rockets, who have been skidding a little bit as of late after winning, I think, thirteen in a row, losing to the Lakers, then they most recently lost, or they've lost a, a few games uh, in a row now, I believe, and. One crushing loss, which happened, I believe, last last Wednesday or Thursday, was against the Boston Celtics, where they were up by 20-plus points in the first half, up by as much as 28, and end up losing in Boston after just going completely cold in the second half. Chris Paul is back, but James Harden now has a hamstring injury that's going to keep him out at least two weeks because he's not even going to get evaluated for another two weeks. So, is there any risk to, uh, or like, is there any reason why there should be concern about this Rockets team at this point, Peach? Because this was the team that everyone was saying they could challenge the Warriors potentially a few weeks ago, and it seems like people have cooled off on them. Uh, I'll continue with my canned answer with a lot of these top tier teams. No, I'm not worried. Uh, until I see someone's out for a season or like out for into the playoffs. I don't really get that worried by regular season injuries, but um, yeah, it may be that James Harden pulled that hamstring because he couldn't uh, keep his keep his cool there under in that Boston game, which was such a funny like end of game, one of the funniest end of game scenarios I've ever seen, and like the only other time I can really, I mean, you see it in the NBA sometimes, and I just think basketball is really special in this way, is that. You can just see certain guys on the court. And, like, I remember this sometimes in high school games. You just see guys kind of getting in this fit of rage and they just, like, don't know what to do. And it's it's always guys like Marcus Smart who just know how to push those buttons and just then they get the calls, like, going their way and officials are sick of it. You know, it's just there's always these, like, little perfect storms sometimes in games, and especially in a late-game situation like that. But I just got a big chuckle out of that and – yeah, Marcus Smart with, uh, I guess, is that game two game-winning charges? Two go-ahead charges? Uh, yeah, that was so weird to me. It it honestly looked like it was the exact same play. Well, he's pissed about the first one, and then he got baited in the second one. So kind of a funny story about this one. So I'm hanging out with our friend Tej, and Tej is like a, you know, he's a, he's a very casual NBA fan, and at halftime of that game where i think the rockets are up 25 points he says you know like what what if the what if the celtics end up coming back and winning that i'm like like there's no 
there's no fucking way that's gonna happen and then we uh finished watching the t-wolves box game and look and sure enough it's like a three-point game and league pass is being really annoying because it wouldn't show the right angle uh so the only one that i could get to stream is the one that's from behind the hoop and so I'm looking like at the yeah, far end of the court the, at James Harden, OT. like trying to, yeah, exactly, trying to the trying OT to get view. some space to inbound the ball. And on the on both of them, they just I, I'm it looked like there was definitely some acting there by Mike, Marcus Smart, but you can see James Harden's arm extend out like that, and it's it's an easy call, especially when you're on the road. Yeah, I mean it was, <laughs> I uh, yeah, just so fun like he's after the first one it just was like one of those situations where you're in your head you know like oh there's no way he'd get a sack like he's gonna whatever he's gonna he's gonna compose himself here but then he's just marcus smart and like in between that the two of them are talking and kind of like bumping too which is one part of that so like the lead up to that play if you just don't see the entire stretch between both fouls like it was it was growing towards that um right. and yeah, it just was kind of like the – I mean, Marcus Smart did a great job of baiting him into it. But, yeah. no, uh, to your larger picture question, I'm not worried about the Rockets. I'm not either. Uh, I'm more concerned still just with Chris Paul and his ability to be healthy over the long term. <coughs> but unless this hamstring thing turns into something that is clearly nagging James Harden over the course of the rest of the year – I'm not gonna raise, you know. I'm. They've get built a nice little lead, even if they end up being the three seed, and losing that out to the Spurs or something. I'm just, they're good, man. They're they're really good. They haven't been healthy. Uh, they've either had Capella, James Harden, or Chris Paul out consistently throughout this entire year. There's just been very, very few games that you've had all three of those guys suit up and be ready to go. So, yeah, I agree they'll be fine. But let's uh let's talk a little bit too about a guy that just got done from being injured and that's Steph Curry just real quick because you know I think that they were cautious taking their time getting him back but I was not expecting him to hit 10 threes coming back and looking the way he did so uh, I just got what what was your reaction out of his return and like I don't know do you think that he's a guy to kind of keep your eye out for for the second half of the season or for the rest of the season just as a potential MVP candidate. I feel like he's slept on, but when he's when he's grooving like he was in his return, he's scary. Yeah, I mean Steph uh Steph's pretty great at shooting. Uh it turns out. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean it wasn't something like he was he was gone for a little bit, but uh I don't think it was I mean with his ink, he's come back from these type of injuries before. So, I wasn't that drop, I mean, 10 threes is a really nice way to come back out, but a lot of the time you'll see where they're just going to make an emphasis. They're going to feed him, try to get him the ball, get him going, get him comfortable. And for Steph in this instance, he got comfortable very fast. And it, uh, you know, once he's, he's just one of those, like him and Clay both are just, once they're, they're find their shot, once they've got their rhythm going, like, yeah, they can fire off eight nine ten threes like i'm not it's nothing that i'm that he did that i was shocked he had it in him it's just it was that night for him and it happened to be the first night he was back right um yeah it turns out he's pretty good uh they're they're such a like 
Draymond in particular has kind of confused me for the Warriors this year. I don't teams are just he's he's really not shooting the ball well. Um defensively he's still been solid, but I it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with him when they have to make some serious salary decisions here in the next few years cuz as much money as the Warriors are raking in, I just Man, if I'm getting rid of somebody, he's probably the guy. It seems to be like, yeah, I think your beloved Draymond. Yeah, I think so. I I think Draymond's really good and could do a lot for you defensively. But you know who they who they should have let go was Iguodala, and he's just been he's been awful this year, for the most part. I mean, I think that they're saving him, trying to keep him as close to 100% going into the playoffs as possible. But nonetheless, he's just been pretty bad. And that, given how much they're paying him in Livingston and how much now they're paying Steph and how much they will have to continue to pay KD, I, you know, Clay's a max guy. It should be a max guy. I guess he's there. He said a lot of stuff about his willingness to take pay cuts. I just... Your, your beloved Draymond, I... No, I, you would, I think you would move... They'd move Clay. Like I think it's always kind of been the understanding they would drop Clay if they they needed to. Uh, I think Draymond's been been fine in his role. Yeah, like offensively, but um, the times he's been out, I think you've seen the biggest gap in their identity. Um, but if you're you're keeping KD, you have Steph. Yeah, I mean KD's really great at being. He could fill. KD's got the ability to kind of fill between the the Draymond role and the clay role in a lot of ways uh and draymond can kind of fill his role in steph's role in some ways too i mean they're like nitpicking the warriors that was just such like a a wild thing because it's just like a bed of riches so like yeah you have this or that or like this rotation here this rotation there but like in the end like they're you still got two really good 20 guys on the court at all times no matter what no, nah, yeah, I mean, you're, I'm you're just right. shocked to hear your beloved Draymond that you wouldn't uh, that you would take over Boogie Cousins. Uh, he just seems off. I don't know what's going on out. with him. I know I I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what's going on. He just doesn't really seem to be himself. Maybe it's more of a mental thing, and if he gets in a groove and is hitting some shots over a ten game stretch or something, that will turn it around for him. He just doesn't seem like he's a, he's always been. He's always been lethal enough on the offensive end, or he can hurt you enough on the offensive end that you have to respect it. And now it just seems like guys are playing on the block when he's at the three-point line, and he he just isn't taking the shot, which I think just ends up hurting everybody. Um, and having said that, you know they're still first in the West and doing just fine. So, <laughs> like you said, let's move on. We don't need to talk about them anymore. Um, I would like to talk. Uh, real quick before we um, move on, I know you want to talk about Magic, the Magic and Isaiah interview. Uh, the Suns ended up being the Grizz a, a week or so ago because of uh, an inbounds pass at the buzzer that would have been goaltending had the pass been made from inbounds. But since it was not a bounce play, turns out it's legal, and it was like it was so weird to see it and to find that rule out when you know it actually matters in this big game. But the thing that I want to get your opinion on too is, if you, if you're a Suns coach, why are you, why are you pulling this out in a regular season game against 
the Grizzlies. Like, this seems like it should be something that you exploit at in a game that's a, a little bit higher of a magnitude. Am I right? Uh, no, I think if you're, uh, what's his name, with the interim head coaches for the Suns, yeah, you just bust that out when you can. I don't know, you can't really script <laughs> okay. the situation. You just, you've got that play in your bag, you need a win. The Grizzlies were clearly not ready for him, and yeah, it was pretty sweet. It was pretty small. I mean, I just can't believe, like, no one thought, like, that would be where the ball was going. Because, uh, like, yeah, I mean, that would have been my... My assumption was you try to get it close to the basket um, with point four, especially you try to throw something up or you um, try to yeah get someone off a screen maybe. But you know when you're in that situation, yeah, you're gonna try to get two. Um, and yeah, I I like I guess I maybe I just knew the rule or something, but it just like when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's pretty sweet. But the shock of it afterwards was kind of like, all right, like maybe everyone knew that rule or like whatever the case may be, but. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, interesting little pat because then uh, last night Manu had his little uh, hoop attempt that ended up counting as a three. That was it wasn't an inbounds; it was an actual <laughs> live live play. Um, saw it happen last night against the Knicks, but yeah, you know what? It's uh, if you're the Suns and you're trying to get wins, you get them whichever way you can. Uh, so if you're in that situation, you you might not have that play. Or that spot, you know what? All those those factors again at the season. So I, you got to take those, use that play while you got it. I suppose I just feel like everyone's gonna know about that now. It's just like you know you can't goaltend it. But I guess I, I on you the can goaltend it. That's a, you can goaltend it. Sorry, sorry, I, I misspoke. They, you can <laughs> yeah. goaltend it, so they're gonna you know obviously keep a close eye. But it's not like you'd ever want to allow them to get close to the room anyway. So that's that's a good. Um, so yeah, man, let's, uh, let's move on to this Isaiah magic interview. I watched a good chunk of it. I didn't have time to watch, or I should say, I forgot to finish watching the entire thing, but it was really fascinating just because these guys are such like such good friends and it's easily to to forget about how close they were in the eighties and early nineties. And, um, I don't know, watching, especially the beginning of it, it, it really bummed me out reminding me of the fact that Isaiah had such a great career winning two championships, but then ending up getting kind of plagued with injuries towards the end of his career. Like it just, it felt like the Pistons should have had a little bit longer of a run and battled with the Celtics and the Lakers a little bit more. But what, what'd you think of that interview and why did you want to, why did, why did you want to hit on it today? Uh, I just found it injury. I mean, like as far as like a, a looking at like a, from a bas- basketball historian, they're just like, two iconic guys in basketball as a whole and uh knowing some about their relationship um but i mean most of my this knowledge about them was that they're um i guess they're the two things that i really knew were like defining moments for those guys relationship was magic being a big reason why isaiah wasn't on the dream team um and then you look at and like after isaiah or after magic's uh it announced that he was he had the HIV virus. Uh, Isaiah making innuations about uh, magic sexual orientation uh, and and just really like the thing that I took away the most out of it though is just how these two guys are really maybe the two of the first uh, athletes who were were friends uh, 
off the court who were friends, you know, throughout their career and kind of had similar uh, rises and downfalls uh, in a lot of ways. Where it just they were they were great for this, yeah, this just, just amount for of time. Reasons. Yeah, they're great for different reasons, but then, like you mentioned, but both their their careers really just abruptly ended, and it just was kind of over for both of them. Um, but like, if I were to compare it to something, I mean, like their friendship. Uh, but it was what was interesting to me. Like, it would be com- comparable to like LeBron and Dwayne Wade in some ways if they had been maybe in different conferences, had gone up against each other in a finals. Um, and I think you could make a lot of arguments how society and everything works, but. I mean, a lot of what they see. It would be a lot different now, no question. Right, because I think you just have easier open lines of communication. Um, but plus, yeah, you have just so. I mean, if you look at it, a couple things that I thought were interesting just was the part I didn't really realize as much about was the 80, 87. No, it was the 80, not 87, the 88 finals with him and uh, with that hard foul that Magic has on. Isaiah, like I had seen that in the Bad Boys uh, documentary, you show that with like the the kiss on the cheek before that, which is iconic. That like clip gets shown around. Um, but just like the two of them discussing that piece, and that's really kind of that was like one of part of it where that kind of it, it seemed like the spark that started their their downfall of the relationship, or where there was there was. Uh, a bit of a, a questioning of like who's this dude what's he about like you know why is he why why was that and just their explanation of it where magic's like yeah we were down 2-0 like we had i had to do something like it was like we knew easy his explanation was like we knew we couldn't lose that game you guys didn't realize that at the time uh because it was their first finals so just hearing some of those comments, but really like a lot of them going back and forth and just realizing uh, like a lot of the warning signs that people gave them beforehand, like people are going to tear you guys apart. They're going to like pick apart this um, like that instance. And just a lot of that coming out through the media more than anything that they just and being East Coast, West Coast, I think has like some some factors in there too. But just to see like kind of almost how through hearsay and these secondary sources, not them even directly talking to one another, that they're right. Um, what was a friendship kind of got messed up. But I mean, yeah, it was so. Obviously- it was unbelievable listening to them talk to one another the way that they're talking now, and to think that they would ever not be super good friends. Right, and I mean, They're the two most that's kind of what I looked at. It was like, it was so obvious energetic. that they were just like, they cared about each other so much. And it was kind of just stubbornness or just like this perception of what the other side felt about it that uh, I just found interesting. But I mean, I guess the only other closing thing I really had was, you know, it comes to the point where in that clip, like they do apologize to each other. They have a nice touching moment there's crying hugging and all that good stuff but like at the end of it i kind of took a step back and i was like well you know it's pretty wild because it's it's super obvious like who came out ahead like i mean magic kind of got it all and and isaiah really didn't i mean like post playing career and just everything like isaiah i mean has had his moments he's had his little stints i mean he's stayed in basketball and 
whatnot, but just like comparing the two, like post career and like that twenty years where they're not talking, like Magic was doing pretty all right. Like Magic definitely like was out ahead, so I can see for him where it's like, yeah, I can, I can meet this dude. I can, I can be apologetic, you know, whatever the case. You know, obviously they're friends, and maybe it's too cynical of me to point that out, but. I just I that was I one walk away. I was like, oh, I mean, Magic gotta give out a head. Like, if he's like still only a grudge against Isaiah, like, and I feel like Isaiah maybe still would. Like, of the two, like, it, definitely Isaiah would have a reason to still hold a grudge. Uh, no, I I, I would agree. <laughs> I mean, considering the failures that Isaiah had as a GM and has gotten some criticism as. Uh, play-by-play guy as well and as an analyst on tv i mean uh magic you know magic is now you know doing his own thing with the lakers he's involved with that organization he's been on tv and i think there are very few people that would they would say bad things about him there just because he's he's pretty funny and like pretty easy to root for and easy going and and obviously smart and one of the best players in the history of the nba uh but I do think that Isaiah gets a bit of a unfair shake considering yeah. what that team was able to accomplish. And they're a little bit forgotten just because they're right in the middle of the Celtics, Lakers, Bulls era of the NBA. And the Pistons just kind of slipped in two years there. I mean, them and the Rockets, both, you know, their, their four collective championships seem to be kind of put on the back burner sometimes. But, you know he was at one time like had he stayed healthy and not had so many injury problems who knows what would have happened with him and i mean he was also no matter what like he was the ringleader of that bad boy pistons like yeah or so, all of that like he was the ringleader he was the captain he him and Lambeer and rodman were just no but it was i mean that was all isaiah but like isaiah, isaiah, isaiah was the leader unquestionably and he yes. set the tone for that like he was all about that and and shout out to that the thirty for thirty on bad boys is really good. I really enjoy. Yeah, it. Like, no, it totally, it really is. But like, they were set up in a way where you thought, like, they said in the interview, like, "Hey, man, we thought you guys were going to go on a run." I mean, obviously, then Michael figures it out and and takes. You know, that was his his big hurdle was to get over the Pistons. Um, but no, it was just it was just interesting and like just the perception of these two guys. I think looking at it back now into today's life but just like is there more, like one of the more lovable guys and like likable guys was magic and you know isaiah almost became the polar opposite and i'm sure you know i think i do think a lot of that has to do if you know he was on the dream team if he had um yeah maybe he'd end his career with a little bit more of a, a glorious end and just like yeah, his post-playing career, I think, also obviously has some impact on Isaiah's per- per- public perception. But, yeah, just looking at the two of them, like, these guys are friends, but they're, like, could not be in a lot of ways. Like, if you look at how their things have shaken out for them both, like, completely different. Just, like, as far as everything goes. Like, Isaiah's definitely had a fight. And I think probably work harder to uh, – kind of stay stay relevant to stay in things i mean like you he's he's kind of been in and out of the spotlight a lot in in terms of the nba world uh within the last yeah you look 15 10 15 years 
for sure. Well, let's uh, let's move back uh, to more current NBA stuff, specifically, you know, the big headline going into tonight's roundup of games is with the Celtics playing the Cavs. And as a fan, you're you're definitely bummed because Isaiah is not playing, but he did come back last night and I caught a majority of that game and he, he looked good. Like he was really aggressive at the beginning, a little overly aggressive, but he finished with 17 points. Uh, didn't look like he was slow at all. He looked like kind of the regular Isaiah ended up three of eight from three. Uh, you know, the big thing with him as far as how, whether or not he's going to put that team over the edge to contend with the Warriors, that's going to, it's going to be a work in progress for a while, but it was awesome to see him come back the way he did last night. It was fun. Very fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, they set him up in a nice situation. Um, yeah, it would have been cool to see him return and, and play Boston tonight. It does, I mean, make sense from some perspective, like why they wouldn't have him do that. But, um, yeah, from storyline perspective, what what would have been a better situation than that? I mean, but yeah, last night he got chances yeah, to come off the another... bench with the second unit, had that ability to just yeah get put throw some shots up. Um, I don't imagine him staying in the second unit for most of the season. I'm sure he will be in the starting lineup, but um, no, it's big. I mean, I really, the... I really love the idea of them staggering his minutes a lot with LeBron, though. Yeah, they did right now. I mean, but I think that was just so he could kind of work his game they kept him oh, with jay crowder for sure um just like ease him into stuff but no i mean as far as like tracking this Cavs team and really trying to project what you think of them as a viable contender against the uh against the warriors and even just within their own conference like how they now really would stack against the celtics and vice versa you know isaiah was that but waiting for isaiah piece so now that's here so um, yeah, I mean, you just you you have to look at it and, and hope that the rest of the guys in the Cavs remain healthy and they they push forward that way. But um, yeah, over. I mean, it was, it was a nice. You can't can't hate on that debut. Seventeen points, nineteen minutes. Um, was pushing the pace at points. Uh, definitely, definitely rusty, but you could tell like was he was he was determined to to show he was he was ready and capable and able to, to, to play. So, um, yeah, it was, it was nice, but yeah, I've been like, well, I have the Celtics Cavs on right now and yeah, it'd been sweet to see him out there. What, uh, so the other big thing that kind of came out just before we started recording was that, a piece by Jack McMullen for ESPN came out, uh, highlighting Kyrie, and a lot of it covering his departure from the Cavs. And it came to light that Kyrie was convinced that the Cavs did not want him, that they had attempted to trade him prior to his request to be retraded in early June. And which is really interesting to me, I suppose not, I don't know. I just, I, who were you trying to package with Kyrie to, to put yourself in a better position to win a championship. Now, maybe the idea is more to like set yourself up to with someone that can help out LeBron for that year, but then also contend if 
and with the uh, like maybe you're assuming LeBron leaves and you're just trying to kind of cover your bases and and hedge your bets as much as you can but it just it's really shocking to me uh that that would be the case but I I guess maybe if you're an NBA GM you're you're trying to play out any possible scenario but what do you think of that uh yeah just as far as the Kyrie being traded piece I mean I think, or just that they tried, yeah, that they tried to trade him prior to being, yeah, before he asked to be traded. Um, yeah, I think it was, I, I think there was some hints he had made and comments he had made too, although in the Kyrie fashion, somewhat vague that like he was hadn't just like outright requested the trade that there was some things and was just kind of keeping. I think trying to keep it professional in some ways and just like accepting that part of it was just part of the business, but, um. I, I'd say like this this report and, and like and, and just this storyline makes sense to me though in some ways because uh, if you really look at what happened after the the finals uh, a lot of what LeBron had said a lot of the mess even says it now but I think his perspective of just knowing like I don't I don't think there was a single person in the Cavs organization that was on that team last year that like walked away and was like oh we have enough on this roster right now that that can beat this team especially when they're hitting on all cylinders like they were like there was nothing in their mind like oh if this and that had gone a different way you know that if this moment or that had gone a different way really like you know we definitely could have pushed this the warriors to seven games i think in lebron of anyone i think knew they didn't have enough uh in current state and so you look at that 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 roster and who's the most tradable piece or who's the best trade piece that you could possibly get more for and acquire more pieces and how do you do you add that depth and what how can you formulate a lineup that might be able to contend with the Warriors and taking Kyrie and trying to turn him into Paul George and Eric Bledsoe I mean in some ways to me it would make sense. I can understand the logic, and it, it sounds like I mean that was the, that was the trade that was on the table. Ultimately, the reason it didn't end up happening was because uh, they uh, they ended up you know the the Suns wanted to draft Josh Jackson, didn't want to go with that pick. Um, but yeah, I mean I think there was also the there was all those rumors during the summer they were trying to move Kevin Love to Denver and work something out that way too. So. The Cavs are being active and trying to find ways. I mean, the deal they got, eh, I mean, if you compare it to those other ones, I, I do think from their perspective, Eric Bledsoe, Paul George is a better uh, return than Isaiah and uh, Jay Crowder in that pick. But, I mean, depending on what that pick is, and, and that's the other part of the story where, yeah, Dan Gilbert became interested in the pick when he found out Boston was interested was – Basically because LeBron uh, wouldn't commit to signing with the Cavs past the season or staying with them. Uh, and Dan Gilbert was working as the pseudo-GM in a lot of ways in between the transition between David Griffin and um, what's his Colby. Uh, I'm blanking on the Cavs' new GM's name. Uh, but anyway, I mean, like, this whole, this whole story that came out, like, kind of, I guess in my mind cleared it up. I mean, like it makes sense the order of events, how they've laid out, but um, yeah, it doesn't really change how I felt about the the trade be- at the time when it went down or anything. Like it, 
it's unfortunate, but like it's all it all makes sense to me <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I I suppose so. Um, the timing of it still doesn't. I guess you're trying to get more worth out of Kyrie when he has two years left on his contract versus one, but. I, oh yeah, definitely. He won you a championship. He, he, mm, mm. Yeah, but like he it. won it without a team without KD and uh, you know Draymond out for a game and. Some would say like a staff that wasn't 100, percent which I don't buy into that kind of piece. Like if you're out on the court, you're healthy enough to be on the court. Like I'm not going to yeah, give you, can't you use uh, that as any sort of excuse. But the I'm other thing about this, there. the other thing about this story was that LeBron was asked by Dan Gilbert if he could give him any sort of commitment to stay towards the Cavs, and and the answer from LeBron was that he couldn't, which is not new information and aligns with what people thought, but you know, for it's really the first time that it's been reported in a story quite like this. So it is, it's a little alarming. And I think that why, what would LeBron, LeBron had nothing to, has no reason would have no reason to commit, but yeah, that answer, No, you're right. That answer basically spurred why Dan Gilbert became interested in the, the Brooklyn pick, though, because of that right. non-commitment. Uh, but I do kind of think in some ways LeBron may resign with them for another year after this. I kind of have that feeling in some ways, but I uh, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't shocked by that because, yeah, he has no reason to, and especially to that guy of all people. like He, has, he owes Dan Gilbert nothing. Well, it's – Paul George also had a quote today about Lonzo Ball saying that he was an all-around great player, or an all-around great basketball player. That's what Paul George said. And I'm I'm more convinced – I'm getting just more and more convinced that Paul George is going to be out. I don't think that he wants to stay in OKC at all. Uh, the only chance they really have is that somehow they make – they upset the Warriors and make it to the finals or possibly win the finals. But if you have Paul George in L.A., LeBron could go to L.A. and they might have enough additional money to like, – I don't know what their options are. But with those two guys playing with one another, like I don't know. That might be a better option than staying with the Cavs considering you still have Brandon Ingram and you can play with Lonzo Ball. It's, it's interesting. That's all I'm saying. But if he ended up re-signing with the Cavs for one more year, it wouldn't surprise me, man. Because this it's a great roster, and you you could work it so Isaiah signs his deal prior to LeBron re-signing, so that you can go you know just stretch over the cap even more. And it's if Isaiah is healthy, that's also a very that's a fun team. How he fits with LeBron is the big question mark now, and we're gonna see it, which is tight. Yeah, I mean, I'm never uh, – I just don't really get the Paul George piece to the Lakers. But, no, I mean, I, I just see a situation where bring Isaiah back. They bring LeBron well, comes back. Mean? They what sign Isaiah. They sign him. What do Maybe there's some other little move, Lakers, Tristan Thompson. Uh, yeah. But, what do yeah, you mean, there's what no do reason you for LeBron to come in. What do you mean that you don't understand Paul George to the Lakers, though? You just don't understand it from Paul George's point of view, or you don't understand it from the Lakers' point of view? 
I just don't understand the fit and like what Paul George is trying to get accomplished and where the Lakers are as a franchise. And I just don't understand see where yeah what else they're gonna do to. Yeah, I don't think LeBron's gonna go to L.A. Like, I just don't see the Paul George, LeBron James link up L.A. thing. It just doesn't make sense to me. It just seems so. I don't know, forest fat, but like it just—it seems like a like I just don't see it from a basketball fit. Where like as much as like the KD stuff, like I was like, oh, I could see that when those early rumors came out about him going to OKC or him leaving OKC, going to Golden State. Like people kind of goffed at it, but it makes more sense than this. Like these two dudes winding up on that team and like. Whatever. I could see LeBron more so like going, trying to go to like Philadelphia or something like that before he'd realistically try to go play for the Lakers. I mean, I, no one would be more of a fan of that than me. I mean, that would be. <laughs> that would. I mean, you, you get a star in Philly with the rest of the young core they have there, and that's. Yeah, man. That would be great. I'd be a lot more excited about that. And, like, I'm still a little biased towards Lakers because I rooted for them for a long time. And I still really like a lot of players they have on that team. But Philly Philly needs a guy really bad to fit with some of them. And, like, that's that's assuming – like, that's knowing that we don't really know what Markel Fultz is yet. So maybe if you have a big three going forward of Embiid, Fultz, and Simmons, that's enough. But, I mean, while they have the cap space, they might as well try to add to it, I guess. Maybe, yeah. I just – I don't know if, like, if I was the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, if I'd really want LeBron in there and kind of changing it. Like, I'd rather – Well, you'd almost rather make just... any sense with Simmons. No, that's Simmons what I mean. Can't. Like, I just and don't you know have to if... play Simmons. You'd have to play Simmons at the five, essentially. Yeah, I don't – I don't – I just, like, I just see that scenario being more compelling for them than – them going him going to LA like that type of a situation but I don't know if really Philadelphia if like you're Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons yeah you want LeBron because that's just going to change like the it's going to instantly become LeBron's team whereas you two would like if you're Joel Ben Simmons you're kind of creating your own identity with this team and like the identity of the team is being formed around you so yeah um, let's, uh, since we're at the end of the regular season for the NFL, you and I were talking this weekend a, a little about, a little bit about the disparity between and the key difference between the NBA and the NFL. And, you know, we don't, we don't talk about the NFL a ton on this podcast and it's, it's certainly not an NFL podcast. So why would we, but we did, I want, like, a, I want to talk about this today because, I couldn't help but point out, and it seems like this is happening more and more often, that going into the postseason of the National Football League, everyone is a little bit, like, you go into the first round of games, and it's just like, it's a bummer. Like, no one is excited. You, you, The talent level is just so much below the what you'd expect it to be when you're down to, you know, 12 teams in a 30-team in a league. And we look at the opening round matchups this weekend. Like you have Chiefs Titans. I, I've like Chiefs have got some stars. They're a fun team. The Titans have just been terrible. If you've watched the football, if you watched, if you've watched the football, <laughs> if you watched the NFL this year, the Titans have been god awful to watch. Nothing exciting there. 
You have the Bills and the Jaguars playing a first-round game this this year. You have a, a, a team in the NFC with a bye and the Eagles that they're going to be trolling out Nick Foles, for God's sakes. And, like, a lot of love for the Vikings up here. Not trying to trash the Vikings. Their defense is great. But, you know, you've, you've got a, a starting quarterback for this team that's been bouncing around from team to team since it's been in the league. And it's just like you look at the like the the drastic differences of these matchups and the the lack of excitement around them versus the first round of the NBA. It's just like, obviously you and I are biased here, PJ, but like if you look at a first round game, if we got Warriors Pelicans, that's fun. We get to see six top 20 players play in that series. And it's going to, even if it gets swept, you're going to go in every, every one of those games thinking like, Pelicans like is AD and Boogie gonna drop forty a piece and they just steal a win here like it's just so it's it's so different so I wanted to get your thoughts on on kind of the state of the NFL and and their really their stars problem and their injury problems that are causing this huge issue going into the postseason that they're having. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess the NFL has the NFL's got a lot going on with it, and like the NBA, I just think has been almost the the anti NFL in a lot of ways, um, especially the last let's say put it three four years. But uh, I think you just have like the head concussions, the head injuries, the NFL's trying to one suppress that, two I, I think trying to uh, put their own spin on it, make the game appear safer than it really is. Um, I've always been on the side. Might sound cruel, whatever, but like, football's violent. It's a violent sport. Just make it be violent, like, and we just embrace that. Um, but along with that, you also have the fact that like this is a, that that league. Feel the two things of like the between the NFL and NBA. Both are very star dependent. Happens that all the stars in the NFL happen to all play the same position for the most part, being quarterback. And most teams, like the talent pool there at quarterback, is if you lose your starting quarterback, you're not going to win the Super Bowl. And that, like you said about the Eagles, Carson Wentz, like Eagles were like a head-on favorite. They're no longer the head-on favorite. Granted, you. Make the same argument, like LeBron James were to go down, Steph Curry, you know, anyone's out for the year. Saw it happen with Derrick Rose with the Bulls. Like, you, you see those situations, but it's less frequent. Um, And I just think, yeah, and at any given night, you can watch a random NBA game, and it's, it's entertaining regular season-wise. Like, you can have a compelling matchup. There's enough of them where you can ultimately get something good out of it. You don't. Where the NFL, you do have some dogs in there. You just have some weeks where it's just like, all these matchups suck. Games are bad. But, like, I just think, like, NBA's product is set up to be, like, even if it's bad. Like, I think bad at basketball is still can be way more entertaining than, like, a bad football game. Like, if it's a bad football game, like, it, it turns unwatchable so quickly. Whereas basketball, you can find these a little bit more entertainment out of it. And that's probably a thousand percent bias on my part, but I just like being someone that consumes both sports. I just I, I can find more entertainment out of a random dog 
dog shit basketball game than I can a dog shit football game. But I mean, I, I think too, just if you look at the two sports and just their outside of the actual on the the field or on the court product, I, I think socially and just like where the times where we're going, the NBA has really done a job of trying to embrace a lot of that and just become be that modern league and uh whereas the NFL kind of pushes back and is the old crotchety you know white guy league and you know I I don't see that lasting either like it's just I, I think they'll be on the wrong side of history with a lot of their decisions the NBA isn't perfect by any means but I think they've done a much better job of one allowing their players to use their platform and and, and speak out against causes and issues they feel comfortable about doing so and just letting these the NBA you know letting your stars basically be themselves let their personality show NFL has tried that somewhat with the celebrations and some people that hate it but which has been I'm a fan of it it's probably the one thing they've done in the last five six years I've actually enjoyed it's like they're still playing a game like I'm consuming this to be entertained like entertain me and I just exactly like NBA is just has consistently made different ways to do that and it's it's not been because we're complaining it's like it just has been a natural thing for them I mean where you look at the NFL like you have to figure out what a catch is you have to have a a law degree because lawyers have written the rules and it's like it shouldn't be I shouldn't have to think or like be having to state a a (laughs) have a law degree to state a, a case of why something is a catch or not or just different rules like that they have they just make them so complex where it's just it's football like it's it's to be pretty simple and it shouldn't be a plus b equals c but if d and e occur then b does not count and and whatever the you know the case may be do you think do you think that they're going to make some serious rule changes going into next year what's that do you think that they will end up making some pretty big rule changes going into next year though for the nfl yeah just i mean in general but especially they'll make it more complex I mean, well, the number. Okay, so specifically with being like a clearing up what is a catch, into nah, they tried that last who, year. It's more complex. Who is getting? Like, are they gonna even create? Are they gonna create even more rules to try to prevent injuries? Yeah, that's what I think. This is that that league is just can't get in a, out of its own way, and it's so conservative and just like stuck in its way, and was just you know for. Oh, geez. I mean, you could say probably last 30 years just was being told how great it was consistently. Um, And just thought, like, they could do whatever, and people were just going to say, yes, NFL, and consume it and just keep moving on. They didn't have to really care or be strategical. But, I mean, now you have a a world where people, people have millions of things that can keep their attention, and they don't need to just turn on their TV every Sunday to watch football to to like hold their attention or be entertained there's so many other options and outlets for them you have to be one more creative and two you have to listen to your fans listen their feedback on the product and and foremost be i i think rather be reactionary be proactive and, and and be out in front of things uh whereas it's just a lot of it's reactive to event occurs 
how what's the initial public response? Here's our here's how we'll respond. That's unsatisfactory. We'll try we'll make up some BS and respond a different way and just um I would say too from the NBA's perspective, like you should look at the NFL and where they're they're failing at points and say, Hey, you know what? Like we can't ever be comfortable and just say like, Oh yeah, we're great. We're this, this, this and that, like we're the social justice warriors and you know anything like that like you have to consistently be uncomfortable uh because i think the nfl did has gotten a little too comfortable at points same time you really look at the numbers and everything like the nfl draw numbers are still huge um still a ton of money there i don't know if it's going to be there in 10 years from now but i mean it's just a culture thing now um i I do think just like the idea of that's what they do, man. Yeah, and I just think the idea, too, with basketball and just the sport and even just, like, being able to see the faces and, like, recognize, like, everyone knows who LeBron James looks like. I don't know if everyone necessarily knows if, uh, trying to think, like, Khalil Mack, who's one of the best defensive players in the league. Khalil Mack walked down the street. I don't know if everyone would necessarily recognize Khalil Mack because he has to wear a helmet and whatnot. Um or you look at, I'm trying to think of another guy. I mean, case maybe. I mean, you have the quarterbacks, but like, I honestly don't like if Alshon Jeffrey. I saw Alshon Jeffrey in the airport once, and, and it was in Charlotte. He played school at South Carolina, but I saw people pass him by and by, and he was just hanging out. Like, I just don't know if, yeah, you have NFL stars that, in you know, like a public image way, and just like recognition and all that. Like, a lot of those dudes aren't as po- recognized as easily as you have the NBA players. And I think just looking to it, just the ability of like Twitter, social media, and, and that perspective that you can see a dope Giannis Antetokounmpo dunk 10 seconds after it happens. You know, if you're watching the game, like to be able to consume it in that way too is pretty awesome. And I think it's something they've been out in the forefront of. So it's helped grow the popularity of the game, even from a, a small like marketing perspective that you're able to access it even if you're not sitting down on your couch every single night like you're able to still see and understand and keep up to date with the sport i think on a day-to-day basis right <clears throat> yeah well i uh sorry to bump people out going into this uh nfl football weekend yeah. uh playoff but we love weekend. shooting on the nfl yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I love it. But, it's uh, one of my favorite things. But we had to we had to talk about it because I just I got it was really at the forefront of my mind going to this week. It's like wow, this is this is just going to be a, a brutal stretch of football this week. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I'm I do think still going to watch. I do think yeah. I mean, that's a like yeah, I'm still going to watch. I do you think talk, the I NF- talk shit about it, but I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I do think the NFC playoffs might be a little bit better, but like. I don't know. Like people like to say, "Oh, it's just me, Cavs, Warriors in the finals." Like, uh, well, it's like, the, the oh, it's probably Saints, just me. The Saints, Panthers, Rams. Those are all fun teams. Yeah, I agree. But like that. people that say, "Like, oh yeah, Cavs, Warriors gonna be in finals." Bleh. It's like, well, pretty sure maybe it's probably gonna be the Steelers and Patriots in the AFC Championship. Like, whoop de doo. And we're pretty so sure glad you can see be, that again. Uh, yeah. So we should we should do this now. So who? Um, who do you who's what's your Super Bowl pick and who do you pick to win? 
So I sewer will, uh, I've given this two seconds of thought. I'm going to say Patriots, Panthers, Patriots probably win. I think it's, I think it's Pats, Saints, Pats win. All right. It's your football take, everyone. But now into real pressing issues, Ultra. There's the travesty that happened in the NBA today, and it is something that we cannot go any longer without speaking about. Okay, well, what is it? Fred Christian Hoiberg did not win Coach in the Month of December. The NBA should, all that nice thing I said about them, forget it. They should be ashamed of themselves. Fred Hoiberg won 10 games in the month of December with that freaking Bulls team. And Dwayne Casey won. They will not stop winning. <laughs> yeah, but Dwayne Casey won it with the same freaking roster he's had the last three years. Graduate freaking Lations. Like, yeah, you ha- you're offensively efficient again. Like, Gratz, you've done this the last three years. Like, I'm not really impressed. I've seen your bull crap before Toronto Raptors. I'm through with your shit. Fred Hoiberg took <laughs> the team that's supposed to be tanking and sucking. And... As as coached the hell out of the team. Like I call me biased, whatever you may be about him. Uh, I do not want the Bulls to win, but they continually do so, and a lot of that has to go on him. And the fact that how he's handled the Bobby Portis and Nikola Mirotic situation. I made all the jokes in the world. Like we made a bunch of jokes on this pod about it, but they are actually playing together and like being playing really well together. Um. And you even look at how he has helped coach up Chris Dunn. The Bulls have gotten a ton of flack. And I've been a huge critic. I've often criticized them for their inability to develop players. But Fred Hoiberg is is maybe has helped salvage Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn has played excellent in the last month. I hope it continues. Zach Levine is coming back soon. But I just, uh, I said, I just, I... I was like, if the Bulls, if there's one silver lining of this, I want my boy to get his uh, coach of the month uh, under his belt here because uh, I think more than anything, like, I mean, he's extremely motivated this season because he has gotten thrown under the bus time after time after time when it's been convenient for guys like your Jimmy Butler now. I mean, first guy, I mean, there's... Anytime there's been something wrong with this team, he, Fred has, has been the first person to get thrown under the bus and get jabs thrown at him. I will say sometimes probably fair. But at the same time, I have to say, like, his professionalism throughout all of it, he's never shot back. He's he's stayed stoic. He's he's kept the company in line, even though that's, say, probably going to be – could be to his detriment, especially when you look at who's – Riding the company line above him, uh, but yeah, I not a very serious thing for like a team, but like I just wanted to, I uh, need to give my boy a little shout out when he's when he's been on top of something. And now, Fred, if you wouldn't mind, I would like Marvin Bagley on the team next year. So if we could lose some more games, <laughs> that would be lovely. Stop and coaching. You're not quite as well. And if you're just too good of a coach, Fred, I understand. Better make sure that he plays Levine very limited minutes then, I would say. 
Yeah. I mean... Take your time easing his way back in. Oh, they've been dragging it out so much. Oh, my God. It's, it's good. Well, I mean, the he, guy fucking... He, he, show, he, Fred accidentally, I think, slipped the... He said something like, oh, he might be back sooner. And then Garp and uh, John Paxson was, like, on the local Chicago. So, no, it's going to be a few more of, like... No, they're dragging out the Zach Levine thing as long as freaking possible. Yeah. Well, I don't think it is smart though. It is smart. Oh yeah, I, us, yes, it us. should be. But also, when January fifteenth rolls around, let's get Nicola. Let's get Bobby Portis. Let's get let's get these some of these guys that are actually playing way better than I thought they should be playing. Like, let's get them out and get something of like value back, and then let's let let's get some picks. Whatever it might be, I don't. Yeah, whatever assets they can possibly get back. Is well, if they can get the Bovanovich deal that the Wizards gave to the Nets last year from Nikola Mirchich, yes, give me that a thousand percent. But well, I gotta, I gotta agree with you for, with Fred. I think he was more deserving just because the Bulls have just out of nowhere drastically turned it around. I mean, I think that maybe Mirchich deserves more credit than than Fred does, but. No, nah, I dude, no. I mean, I'm fucking. I'm messing with you. Nah, man, not fuck. Colin Mirotich is <laughs> whatever. Yeah, he's. But I want him to be bumming a bad to make team. You mad. Not trying to make you mad. Putting up numbers. Anyway, whatever. let's. I, uh, I got one more. Let's get thing them all out of there. January fifteenth. Nicola can be traded. Trade him first. Trade Bobby. Robin Lopez has been awesome, but need to trade him. Let's let Chris Dunn, Zach Levine. Laurie, let's let's let them run the show. Let's maybe let Cristiano Felicio play a little bit more since they're paying him eight million dollars in the next four years. He sucks though. God, he just got sent down to the G League. Like, yeah, yeah, he's bad. I mean, I didn't like that deal, but like, it's like, oh, they're gonna be bad, but now they're kind of being good. Like, we need Cristiano to play a little bit more now. We need, we, I need my baby Brazilian Shaq to play, mm. so we get some more L's, and I can have. Marvin Bagley on the Chicago Bulls next year. Sure. Well, I got one more thing that I want to hit real quick before we head out for the day. PJ. So they, uh, a few weeks ago, the NBA arrest, uh, officially released the uh, new NBA jerseys. The uh, Now I'm blanking on what they're actually called. The city jerseys. The city jerseys. Thank you. And uh, I, I got to know, so favorite jersey and least favorite jersey out of this bunch uh definitely like the bulls and bucks jerseys a lot uh those cream city jerseys by no the bias there oh uh, yeah no none at all none at all um we are uh my journalistic background and in heavy heavy research determined that those were two of the best um by far um i really uh there was one other one. Now I'm, I'm making sure, but there was another one that stuck out that I, I grew on. Oh, I guess the Utah Jazz ones kind of grew on me a little bit more the more I looked at it them. They weren't my favorite, but they kind of grew on me a little bit the more I, I looked at them. They're just different. They're bold enough. Uh, but, yeah. So which which ones don't you like? Do I not like? Well, I think the Cavs ones are pretty shitty. Um, I don't really get those ones. Uh, there's one other pair. Oh, I'd say the Cavs. Gun to my head. I didn't like the Cavs. I was pretty disappointed in them. So if I had to pick one that I, at least, 
So if I had to pick one that I dislike the least, it's definitely the Rockets, strictly just because they did nothing different to their normal home jerseys or the normal red jerseys, I guess now, because there's no like home and away. Their normal red jersey, they literally just took the Rockets logo and put a different Asian inspired it might it might say Rockets in, in a different language for all I know. But like I'm not trying to say at all that I'm like against Uh-oh. the the cultural ramifications of this. All yeah, I'm saying is that. that do this, do this, but also like change the jersey up, change colors, design, do something fun, and it just seems like a wasted opportunity. So I do not, I do not like the blandness of those jerseys because there's nothing exciting about it. Mm. But the jerseys that I really like, so I do like the uh, the Raptors ones are pretty slick they got a lot of gold in there uh, definitely not number one though for me Miami's is the best Miami's yeah. is uh, by far the best um, I like Denver's too shout out Deuce I really didn't like Denver yeah. because same with that one it's just like a lack of originality you essentially just took the exact same dark navy jersey that they have it's and a then good put color a different combo. logo on it good color combo do something different why like what's the purpose yeah. in having you have you have four or five jerseys and you're gonna have one of them look almost identical to another set of jerseys yeah. i thought sense. cleveland's dallas's so i've got my list up now dallas cleveland dallas's and then awful. your timberwolves the only reason i put the timberwolves on that because their explanation of it is uniform follows the theme of bold north primary color celebrates the tonal gray winter coat of the white wolf while the white mimics the snow-covered land in the north. It's like gray and white is not bold. It's accurate. No. It's not bold. It's a, that is an awful description. I like the jersey, though. I thought It's fine. Gray, I just I only hate it on just because of the explanation. It's just so bad. That's it's like, very Yeah, you want to wear gray yes. jersey. I, I specifically cool. want But why can't it be like gray stuff. with... I'm fine with the gray, but why can't? Why is the lettering got to be... The same. Why can't the lettering be that neon green? That'd be bold. I'd like to see the neon green at least accented, like as a trim around those. That'd have been bold. Um, Well, this has been fun, Peach. Let's close up shop, man. So, uh, any. We should. Oh, so there's some good games to rest this week. So, um, tomorrow we have Golden State Houston. Uh, Tonight, as I said, like Cleveland Boston are playing right now. Uh, Friday, we've got. Chicago against Dallas. That's a real barn burner. Uh, but we do have eh, not a great not a great slate of games on Friday. But Saturday we have uh, Minnesota at home against New Orleans. That should be fun. Milwaukee against Washington. That's always good. Um, and then Sunday to close out the week, San Antonio against Portland. Um, so yeah, not a not a terrible slate of games. Cleveland at Minnesota next week. I'm not gonna be able to go to that one. That's a bummer. But um, yeah, any any closing thoughts, Peach? I got nothing. Fred, will you will be avenged. Um, and yeah, that's all. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for everyone for listening. Check us out at uh, the Point Forward NBA.com. Send us some emails at the Point Forward NBA at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And as always, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. And we can't wait to continue to bring uh, some great podcasts in the year of 2018. So we'll talk to you guys soon.